Remembrance Sunday, we're going to think about war. And we're going to think about three things from the three passages that we've had read for us. We'll think about how war is a symptom of sin. We'll think about how evil must be confronted. And we'll think about the one true judge. So that is the plan for this morning. So firstly, war is a symptom of sin. Life is full of sin, isn't it? Yep, big sins, little sins, things that we do that we shouldn't do, things that we don't do that we should do. But behind all that vast array of sins is sin itself. And at root, all sin is rebellion against God. And of course, God is love, isn't he? So if you rebel against God, you are thereby also rebelling against love. And so the big sins and the little things, sins, and the things we do which we shouldn't do, and the things we don't do which we should do, all individual sins come from sin, come from rebellion against God. But God is the one who created us. Our creator is the one who gives our life ultimate meaning and purpose and hope. And so if we reject the God who gives us life and gives us meaning and purpose and hope, and if we rebel against the rule of love in our lives, then inevitably our lives are going to become empty and meaningless. Of course, no one can live like that. You can't get out of bed in the morning based on nothing to do, nothing that means nothing. No one can live like that. And so we, we look for things to try and fill the void that is left when we reject God. Money, power, status, love, whatever it is. And that is what the Bible calls idolatry. Now, those God substitutes that we take, those things that we look to to provide us with meaning and purpose and life and hope and identity can never replace what we receive from our holy God. But we can't let go of them either because we don't have a plan B. And so inevitably those things we choose as God's substitutes rule over us. And our lives are filled with emptiness. And our lives are filled with desires and cravings that we can't control. And that brings us into conflict and that sets us on the road to war. And we see that in the reading from Isaiah 28 that Kristen read for us right at the start of this service. Now the impact of my sin and my idolatry doesn't just depend on how much I sin. Yeah? It also depends on how much influence I have as a person. Let's take a moment and think about Vladimir Putin. As far as I can see, Vladimir Putin has very clearly lost sight 
and lost contact with the love of his creator. And he's trying to fill that void with power. And he appears to have written a story about his life that has him as the great conquering leader of a resurgent Russian empire recapturing its past (coughs) glory. And looking at it, it doesn't seem to matter to him too much how much Ukrainian and Russian blood is spilt pursuing that aim, pursuing that delusion. And it's a terrible truth that the more wicked we become and the further we drift from the God who is the truth, the further we wander into illusion and the closer we come to madness. Putin is the president of Russia and so his sin and idolatry plays out across nations and continents. But you know what? I am vulnerable to that very same temptation to idolatry. Let's say, for example, I start to take my meaning and my value and my purpose from the work of this church, from being the minister of the church. And in no time at all, suddenly my self-worth and my significance in the world and the story that I tell myself to convince myself that I'm okay is bound up with the performance of this church. And before long, I'm using all of you to try and fill that God hole in myself. It's just the same idolatry as Putin. It's just, I'm obviously somewhat less influential than Putin. (laughs) So it's a little bit less obvious. But it's the same root sin. Same sin, different expression. So that's our first point. The root of war is sin and idolatry. So, if you hate war, I'm guessing everyone here hates war, yeah? We all hate war. No one likes war. So, if we hate war, the best thing we can do is repent of sin in our life and practice love. Yeah? The best contribution you can make to world peace is to repent of sin and to practice love. Yeah? Dead easy. When we sin big... Or sin small. When we sin by doing something we shouldn't do, or we sin by not doing something we should do, we rebel against God and against love, and we feed the thing that causes war. But whenever we repent of sin and we practice love, we feed the thing that leads back to God and leads to healing and peace. Amen? So there's something we can all do to feed peace in our world. Repent of sin and practice love. So the root of war is sin, which is rejecting God and rebelling against love. The second thing we need to think about is that evil must be confronted. Did you notice in that second reading that Hadar read for us from Revelation 12? There's that little line, isn't there? There was war in heaven. How do you feel about that? There was war in heaven. By heaven, it is not saying that there's going to be war in the new creation. Praise God, there is an end to all of this. When it talks about heaven here, it means where God lives, the spiritual realm. 
And one day Jesus is going to come back and he's going to destroy all sin and evil and death. But at present, there are still evil spiritual beings in heaven as well as on earth. And if evil isn't confronted, then it has freedom to bring destruction and death. And so, God goes to war against evil. There is war in heaven. Now consider World War II. The Nazis were intent on domination and were pursuing genocide. To not confront that evil would have been to collude with it. In Romans 13.4, Paul is writing about the rulers and he says about the rulers, they don't carry the sword for nothing. What he means by that is that kings and rulers have the responsibility and authority to uphold justice. Now clearly there's a big problem, isn't there? Because rulers and authorities are just as corrupt and broken and idolatrous as I am. And so sometimes they use that authority in pursuit of their own evil ends. But their calling from God is to uphold justice. The state carries the sword. The church is never to carry the sword. A follower of Jesus can serve in the army and carry the sword for a king, but a follower of Jesus cannot serve in church and pick up the sword for the minister. And history tells us of the absolute disasters that have happened when we confuse that distinction of the extraordinary damage that has been done to the cause of Christ through that. God has a different calling for the state and for the church. As followers of Jesus, we're called to love, we're called to be gracious, we're called to be kind, and we're called to show mercy. Amen? That's good. Until you realise, of course, that the context in which we are called to love and be gracious and be kind and show mercy are probably ones where we don't feel like doing that. But that is our call. But sometimes we can think, well, if that's who we call to be, maybe we shouldn't confront sin at all. Maybe we should avoid confrontation and conflict. Let's just think about that for a moment. If we don't confront sin, then we allow death and destruction to do whatever they want. How is that remotely kind or loving? We're called to speak the truth in love. And we've got to remember, our battle is not against people. Our battle is to free people from sin and evil and oppression. And we have two weapons to do that. Neither of them are sword. One of them is truth. And the other one is love. We are never to try and use truth without love. We are never to use love without truth. We're to speak the truth in love. Sometimes you get in a situation, if you're anything like me, and I know I am, when you are sorely tempted to speak the truth without love. Ever had that? But of course, there is no truth. 
without love. Sometimes we get the opposite temptation, don't we? We want to love, but we don't really want to speak the truth. We want to compromise, we want to make life easier. But of course, there's no love without truth. God is love. Jesus said, I am the truth. You can no more separate truth and love than you can separate God and Jesus. You lose one, you lose them both. Confession. I don't like this very much. I don't like it because I don't like confrontation. It will come as no surprise to you to know that I want people to like me. I want to make people happy. Confronting sin is no fun. To be honest, I think if you enjoy confrontation, there's probably something wrong somewhere. But to see people trapped in sin and to leave them with a direct line of evil and death into their life is not kind or merciful or gracious or loving. But here is a massive, massive problem. I'm called to speak the truth in love to people who are in sin, but guess what? I'm a sinner. How on earth can I be faithful to the command to speak the truth in love and to confront sin and evil without being a total hypocrite? My answer to this question is, it's really hard. It's really hard. So our second application is that sin and evil must be confronted and that the church is called to do that by speaking the truth in love. But as we do that, we've got to remember our own sin and our own need of mercy before a holy God of uncontaminated, totally pure love. In other words, we've got to speak the truth in love, but we've got to do it with great humility. And that requires spiritual maturity. Our aim is to see people set free and transformed and healed. God's aim for Vladimir Putin is to see him set free and healed and transformed. Praise God. God's will for Duncan Moore is to see him set free and transformed and healed. But in speaking the truth in love, there is always the danger, of course, that we do it in such a way that we sin in the process. So we need to very humbly lean into God and pray hard and speak gently. So our first point is that sin and idolatry is the root of war, and so we need to repent of sin and practice love. Our second point is that sin and evil must be confronted by speaking the truth in love with great humility. But in this we've seen a great problem. The world is a total mess. We're all a total mess. Heck, I'm a total mess. We need a sinless judge who can judge and get rid of sin. In the passage that Romans, uh, Raymond read for us, we, we heard an extraordinary verse. Verse 4 of chapter 5 says this. I wept and wept 
because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or walk inside. And if you notice when Pat prayed and when Baha prayed and when Zainab prayed, you feel a bit powerless, don't you? Lord, something's got to change, but what's going to happen? The scroll represents God's just judgment. The scroll represents his final word on what has got to be thrown out of the creation and what can stay. Think back to Mr. Putin for a moment. Putin has invaded another country. Who exactly is going to confront him? How about Xi Ping of China? Oh, hang on a second. He's... um, He's pursuing genocide against the Uyghurs, isn't he? That, that, that's not ideal. Well, how about the US? Mm, the US might have a slightly murky record in foreign policy. How about the UK? Oh, yes, of course, we're the colonialists that managed to mess up half the world, aren't we? How on earth is sin going to be truly diagnosed so it can be cut out of the world to heal and restore it? I wept. And I wept because no one was found. And then we read in verse 5. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of Judah, of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain standing in the centre of the throne encircled by four living creatures and the elders. What an extraordinary verse. Of course it speaks of Jesus but what a picture The lion, who was a lamb, looking as if he'd been slain. Jesus, the judge, who can pass through judgment. The lion, who can confront sin, evil, and death and defeat it. Jesus, the saviour, who died to deal with our sin. The lamb, who was slain for our sin. The lion, and the lamb. This is the same thing as when we say Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Would you be so kind? Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. I love it. Once more, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Christ has died, the lamb who was slain, to forgive our sin and restore us to God. Christ is risen. Christ, the one who has defeated sin, evil and death. And the reason that we can pray during our worship that sin, evil and death will not have the last word in Ukraine and in Russia and in Iran and in Kurdistan and in Nigeria and in Europe and in Africa and in the Middle East and in the whole world is because the lamb who was slain is risen. Christ is risen. Christ will come again 
as the lion who will open the scroll and throw sin, evil and death out of the world. So friends, if we're going to bring healing and peace to the world around us by speaking the truth in love, we first need Jesus to speak the truth in love to us, to show us our sin, to show us his forgiveness, to show us his love, and to give us the power of change, to change. If we want to be involved in Jesus, blessing and transforming and healing and reaching out to others, we first have to allow him to bless and save and heal and transform us. Other people might have insight into our life. I think it's really useful to get feedback from other people, to be the sort of person where people come and can challenge you about stuff. That's a really helpful thing. Otherwise, you can wander off in stupidity for a very long time and do a lot of damage before anyone tells you. Yeah, it's helpful to get feedback. I can make a real mess of things on my own. But only Jesus truly knows what is actually going on inside me. Only Jesus sees all things truly. Only Jesus can finally judge us aright. Only Jesus can heal us and save us and make us into people who can speak the truth in love and can confront sin and evil and injustice and lead us towards peace. So to sum up, Firstly, the root of war is sin, rejecting God and replacing him with idols. And if we hate war, then the best thing we can do is repent of sin wherever we're made aware of it and practice love whenever we have the opportunity. Secondly, sin and evil must be confronted. As followers of Jesus, our calling is to speak the truth in love. Finally, Jesus alone is the true judge and the true saviour. And if we want to be useful in a world of conflict and war and suffering and pain and brokenness, we must allow him to tap his gentle finger on our soul and say, this needs to go. This needs to happen. This is where you can step forward in love. He doesn't out to shame us or be heavy with us. He's out Free us from sin and evil and death and lead us into freedom and life and love. Amen? Amen. Let's just take a moment in silence to respond to God. Um, with anything that he said to you.